So we know that Indiana has growth potential. We know that Indiana builds. But how much do the big landing the, 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 the big fish lead to other opportunities? Would we be uh, better off if we had landed Amazon? Or did it not affect us at all? If you land Amazon, does it bring people with you or keep people away? Maybe there are other types of businesses that lead to these opportunities. Tony Katz. 93 WIBC. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Gary Dick joins us right now from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB at Gary Dick, G-E-R-R-Y at Gary Dick on Twitter. Uh, as I said, InsideIndianaBusiness.com on the drive, Hubler.com hotline. And we talk about Toyota, which wants this $1.3 billion electric vehicle battery plant, over 1,700 jobs. Indiana's trying to to land this project. First, where are we in that? What does it take to get a, a, a project like this? And then what does that do to bringing in other business? Yeah, a couple things on that, Tony. First of all, the state is not surprisingly very mom, being very tight-lipped about uh, uh, any any pursuit of Toyota and this big investment. As you said, it is huge, a billion, $1.3 billion, 1,750 jobs. That is part, and this kind of gives you an idea as you look at electric vehicle, hybrid uh, you know, technology, these batteries, uh, what the automakers are thinking. This, this investment by Toyota is part of about $10 billion that, the, uh, that Toyota plans to spend, it says, over the, next, uh, over the next decade. So a lot of states are interested, especially a state like Indiana. To- Toyota has said, hey, we want to put this close to our assembly plants huge Toyota assembly plant in southwest Indiana in Princeton. There are a lot of people, including Energy Systems Network CEO Paul Mitchell, who say Indiana is very well positioned to get this. And, and, you know, the flip side is we talk a lot about workforce. How can we, you know, I talked to some folks in southwest Indiana about this uh, potential investment. They say, hey, we're just trying to fill the 800 jobs that Toyota announced uh, several months ago with this expansion. So workforce, a tight workforce, it's it's a challenge. It's it's an issue. So you say you never want to turn away a big deal like this. But there are those those, uh, concerns about workforce and being able to fill the jobs. So when you have an issue with saying, you know, hey, uh, we want you here and we've got, you know, the infrastructure here, we've got the taxes here, we've got everything great. And they say, great. What about the people? And all of a sudden we go, uh, we don't have an answer. How do you answer that question? Yeah, well, that that is the question that will be asked and will be answered. And it's not just for these these huge uh, deals like Toyota and some of the other automakers that they're looking at, but but smaller and mid-sized companies. Uh, which need specific talent and specific kinds of, of people to work for them. They're asking those questions, too, not just here in Indiana, but in, in all kinds of states where there are challenges. So the states, the regions that have the workforce, that have that, uh, that uh, cluster, if you will, of workers that are needed, those are the ones who are going to be successful. That's why there's so much talk at the state level about, quote-unquote, talent attraction and retention, these quality-of-life, quality-of-place projects making Indiana, uh, you know, uh, a, a better place to live, work, and play, all those types of things. That's why it's such a big issue because as you look to the future and these companies, as they look to locate or relocate, Workforce is certainly at the top of the list. Talking to Gary Dick from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter 
at IIB. One of the other stories, a very cool event happening at the Speedway over the, the weekend, uh, the Autonomous Challenge. Uh, basically, we took yeah. teams from around the world and said, here, here is the world's coolest remote control car track. Go to it. What happened? How did it get started? And what was the result? Well, it's been several years in the making, uh, Tony, and, and I think there really is a connection to that electric vehicle battery story we were talking about a moment ago because it's about innovation, it's about technology, and shining a light on it here in Indiana. So, again, um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the video of it because I haven't seen it yet, but uh, there were, I think, 10 uh, teams from around the world, uh, a number of country, uh, countries represented, uh, driverless vehicles, race cars that went over 100 miles an hour around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So it was it was a great opportunity to showcase Indianapolis, Indiana, what's going on here uh, when it comes to uh, innovation in the automotive sector. And certainly that's that's in the uh, the roots, the DNA of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So that's what it was all about. Don't think this is going to be necessarily an annual event, but maybe every few years because it took a lot of work to put it together. But again, the hope is that it's going to attract especially young people, engineering types, science, technology, engineering, and math uh, folks to want to uh, locate uh, in Indiana and, and to work on some of these kinds of projects. We talk about events and how what events do and highlighting uh, the city, highlighting Indiana, the, the things like this at the Speedway, highlighting the fact that, you know, tech is our is our is our jam, uh, that these things matter uh, over there uh, at, at your sister there at IBJ, IBJ dot com. College football championship organizers prepare for kickoff. Of course, this is January 10th. This is having the championship in a northern uh, city. Uh, only yeah. hoping you get uh, Super Bowl-esque kind of, of, of weather for it. Right. Um, what's riding on this? Uh, I think a lot. Uh, and it's uh, at minimum, I mean, it's the reputation of the city of Indianapolis as a premier host city for the biggest sporting events uh, in the country, uh, around the globe. You know, we've hosted the Super Bowl. We did it well. We did it very well. Uh, host Final Fours on a regular basis. Host Olympic trials. You can go on down the list. Indianapolis has a well-earned reputation for being an elite city when it comes to that. So this event, this is ESPN's biggest event of the year. They put more money into this, and there's more attention on this than anything else they do. So the spotlight, uh, by extension, is going to be on Indianapolis and how the city comes together to host it. Uh, I would never bet against Indianapolis uh, doing anything and doing it very well. But the, the stakes, I, I think, are, are very high because it's a, it's a very competitive business, if you will, when you talk about sporting events and, and hosting them. The estimation, I think, it pegs the economic impact of this at, I think, it's 100, 100 or $150 million. But the visibility and the, uh, the ability to add to the city's uh, reputation uh, again, as a place to live, work, and play, that, that talent issue kind of comes in there again as well, I think is very big. When we see an event like this come off well, we know Indianapolis comes off well, as, as you're saying it, but there are some yeah. things we can't control, and one of those things is certainly a, a weather-related thing. You yeah. can't, you know, what happens if it snows? If it snows, it snows. I mean, the game's still going to, to, to yeah. go on. But what is it that this uh, committee, uh, this group of people, whether it's Mark Howell or, or Susan Bauman, uh, who are the, you know, the chairman and the president of this, of this host committee, respectively, 
What is the thing that they're fearing? What is the thing that Indianapolis cannot fail at? Because if it does, then you create a downward spiral that's hard to pull out of. Yeah, I wouldn't say things they fear. I think they are looking at every single possible contingency. You know, I, I was of the opinion a uh, number of years ago, you know, the Super Bowl, as, as you said, it was unbelievable weather. If it had been bad weather, I have no doubt that the planning that was done here uh, would take care of it, would, would make it even with snow or ice or whatever it was, they would make that event a special event. Other cities didn't pull, haven't pulled that off. I mean, you talk about nightmares at places like Dallas where they had an ice storm. People couldn't get around, couldn't move. Uh, you know, some things, again, weather you, you can't control, but you can plan for the contingency. So that is what they are. Uh, if, you, if you're wondering about sleepless nights, those types of things, that's, that's certainly one. It's just planning for every contingency. And certainly uh, the pandemic, you know, adds another layer that's never been dealt with before uh, when it comes to, to this kind of thing. Uh, so uh, that's another layer of, of planning and, and contingencies that has to take place.